The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I'm determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. I couldn't be more excited about my guest today. We've connected in the past. You probably know her. Today, joining me is Kimberly Snyder. Kimberly has so much under her belt, but her brand, her mission, her message is really about the four cornerstones of true beauty, food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth, and how that really comes together to make us the best version of ourselves. She's worked with Deepak Chopra, and she's the multi-time New York Times bestselling author of the Beauty Detox book series and Radical Beauty, co-written with Deepak Chopra. She's a nutritionist, a certified yoga teacher, a spiritual and meditation teacher as well, and the founder of Soluna, a lifestyle brand empowering you to live your best life. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, doctor. Um, Thanks for that great intro. One thing I'll add is uh, the Feel Good podcast when you were my guest. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry to leave that out. Absolutely. So tell us about the Feel Good podcast a little bit. How long have you been doing that? I remember coming on that. That was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Dr. Taz, people loved our interview. Um, it felt like a, a world ago because I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. And now I'm here and the baby is out of my body. Um, so I've been doing it for a couple of years. And it's honestly one of my favorite things that I do because I get to connect with amazing women and other people that I might not get to have this really one-on-one conversation with. And I've been thinking about three years I've been doing it. Oh, Bella. wonderful. I, I feel the same way. I think this is this is its own community and it's been so amazing to gather some of us together and build kind of this community and really help elevate the conversation, especially in times like this. So we were chatting a little bit before you jumped on about your experience of having a new baby and juggling your second and then paint that amidst a background of a pandemic and quarantining and an election and all the other things going on. How are you holding up and kind of what are you holding to to kind of, to keep yourself sane. I mean, the more I talk to women, they're just struggling quite honestly to, to hold all the pieces together. So tell us what you're doing. Yeah, Dr. Taz, this has been such an interesting time. I use the word interesting because I think when we put adjectives on it, we tend to really uh, see it that way. So I don't say it's bad time. I think, you know, there's positive things that we can all get out of this time, but it's been very interesting. Um, and the one po- really strong positive I found is that in times like this, when there's so much shifting and changing outside of us, it forces us to either struggle more or to go deeper into our center into our core, because we always have ourselves. We're around different people. We may be in different environments, but we always have our center that we can return into. Uh, so the example I think of Dr. Taz is, you know, scuba diving. I don't know if you're a scuba diver. Have you scuba dived? I haven't done any scuba diving yet. It's on my list, but haven't done it yet. Well, I was a big scuba diver back in the day when I was backpacking around the world. And when you jump off the boat on the surface, it's very choppy and I tend to get seasick and it's very uncomfortable. But when you take the air out of your vest and you go deeper, 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 down, you get to a place of stillness and calm. So I have to say in the beginning, it was extremely challenging because this pregnancy, I was very tired. My toddler didn't have preschool anymore. Mm. You know, we were all here. Nobody knew what was going on. And it was, it was not easy. But then, you know, what I found was the resilience that comes through all of us. We have so much strength and I get a lot from my meditations, from my spiritual practice. So that just started to be a real, real, even more than before, just a deeper anchor for me to find a center. I get a lot of questions about 
fear and you know anxiety about the unknown and so much insomnia and different issues are coming out in droves, as you know, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say, you know, we, we can't change and we can't control what's out here, but the one place that we can find stillness is inside. Uh, so that's really been my sanctuary. And, um, you know, I've just been focusing on that, offering more meditation tools, more, uh, there's been more spiritual discussion in our community. I define spirituality as the path to understanding yourself more like a very broad definition. Um, so that I feel has really deepened in this period and with my, between my husband and I. Really. Amazing. You know, I, I'm curious because I know it's one of your four cornerstones, but I feel like, first of all, you and I are in very different places. I'm in the South, you're in California, okay. correct? And, you know, here I will say spiritual spirituality is very defined by religion mm. and people identifying with particular religions. And I've always like not felt comfortable with that because I felt like there's a greater whole and a greater, you know, body, you know, how does spirituality express itself, you know, in our daily lives? What's the best way for us to tap into that? And how does it help us navigate situations like this when we don't have maybe a religious structure to follow? I don't know if you've had to navigate that terrain at all, you know. For sure. So thank you for bringing that up, doctor, because I really think that like if someone thinks of spirituality in terms of religion, it can definitely turn people off or think, oh, I already have my religion I'm Catholic or, um, you know, this or that. Uh, again, for me, uh, spirituality is really connecting to your soul. So the spirit inside of you. And when you're rooted to that, that is your source of true confidence. That's your, that's your real source of safety and security. Um, so for me, it's, it's like, it's you either go through life one way or another way. One way is where we're the small limited selves. And we just feel like, you know, we are full of limitations and we don't have we have a finite potentiality. The other is what um, the yogis. So a lot of my spiritual ideas come from India. I've been uh -huh. practicing yoga and meditation now for over 12 years, but the yogis say the true self, the part of you um, is infinite and has full potentiality and is actually where that's the part of us that's connected to everyone else. This right. idea of oneness, this idea of connection, this idea that we're actually much more similar than we are different. When you focus on the on the surface, that's when you think about physical differences and again, dogmatic differences in religion. Mm -hmm. But spirituality to me is really about um, for me, it's you know, understanding yourself, which is which is love and you know, um, we're unique. So that's the other thing for women, especially. Mm -hmm. uh, women have so much pressure about how we look and, oh my God, I'm aging or, um, you know, on Instagram of this very image driven society comparing ourselves. But yet when we connect back into that essence, you, you know, you can really connect to this idea that there's no one else like you. So you don't have to be competitive. You don't have to compare yourself. I love that. So walking around in the world with that anchor is such a difference. You know, you're talking to someone that's come from eating disorders and, very, uh, you know, a lot of insecurity, a perfectionist, someone that was obsessed with grades and achievements. Mm -hmm. So as my path started to unfold as an adult, um, I found this, you know, this um, practice, which starts with in the morning, I meditate in the evening, I meditate, I do little mini check ins throughout the day, as part of my practice. And it's just a different way of walking around, where it takes all the pressure off. So to me, that's what spirituality, when you understand the core of you, it means you can understand people better, other people, and you can love them. You can see the connection versus feeling competitive or, um, 
focusing on the differences. I love that. What is your favorite way to tap into that core or to tap into that life force? And that seems to be a theme, by the way. So many people are talking about, you know, getting quiet and finding that center, finding their heart, leading from the heart versus the brain. How do you like to do that? What is sort of your practice that you have in place? So <laughs> one of my favorite quotes actually comes from our uh, dear friend, Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. Happiness cannot be a moving target, right? Mm-hmm. So if everything's out here and you're trying to attach a sense of security, uh, a sense of identity to anything outside, it's always going to feel like a struggle because things are moving and shifting. I mean, governments change. We see what's going on outside the social, the political unrest, the environmental unrest, right? I live in California, the wildfires. There's so much happening out here. So it's just like if you're trying to get in shape, what do you do? You spend more time exercising. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you're trying to uh, focus on learning how to eat healthier. You spend some time figuring out different recipes. So the way to connect with your center is to spend some time there, right? Which most people aren't used to doing. We're used to always talking to someone or in the background, having the TV or the news, or at the end of the day, we pour a glass of wine or we watch Netflix, which is all fine. But if we don't have that way to sit with ourselves and to find what that center feels like, um, then we can't really access it. So like I said, for me, um, I have a pretty strong morning practice, which starts with meditation, goes into hot water with lemon and probiotics and different components. But that first part of feeling my breath, first of all, I connect in just to connect with my body. So many people say to me, I don't know when I'm really hungry. I don't know what my body needs. Right. And all the food cravings are becoming rampant because we aren't connected yet. So I feel that something as simple as just breathing and putting one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly and checking in with the messages of your body, what your body's feeling is the first step to really centering yourself. And then you can go into meditation practices. I have a whole bunch of free meditations I have on my site. I'm really passionate about sharing this, as you can tell, Dr. Taz. No, I think that's um, amazing. It's it just so goes, amazing. it just, yeah, it's the beginning. It unfolds, but it's just like anything else. You have to spend time working on it and developing it. I think it's so important and such an important message. And I'm going to swing you in a completely different direction. We're both highly spiritual. I think we both understand the importance of that, but how in the world does that connect to how we look and how we're judged in the world today, right? And, you know, I mentioned my daughter and even seeing her sort of receive this pressure that she has to be perfect and look a certain way and hoping I'm not contributing to that in any way. Like, how do we connect spirituality to beauty? You write a lot about beauty, about what to do for beauty and all this other stuff. How do we as women merge those two concepts together? Wonderful question. So it is interesting. A loaded question, right? (laughs) I mean, this is a good topic because out of um, six of my books, uh, four of them have beauty in the title. Right. It's a subject that I have thought a lot about and explored a lot, explored within myself. Um, And of course, as adolescents, as you know, your teenage daughter, your tween daughter, she's a tween or teen? Mm -hmm. I guess tween. (laughs) And I, I do think, you know, as women, especially we come into this world, we start to blossom into this world and it's bewildering, right? There's so much, there's so many different messages. There's so much imagery Mm-hmm. And so much in the media and social media about what we looked at, uh, what we look like. And so we tend to fixate on that. We tend to identify with that. Um, that is until we take a much more balanced approach. So when I talk about my four cornerstones of true beauty, mm-hmm. I developed it through my own journey. So my mm-hmm. own journey, as I mentioned, I started off with eating disorders. 
And I feel like when you have something, um, you know, that creates a lot of suffering inside of you, you, you sometimes you create a career out of it. Right. <laughs> you try to fix yourself and then share that. So that was one of the reasons I became a nutritionist first. Mm. And my first two books were really focused on food. Um, and what happened was, you know, it started to get out in the world and I started working with all these you know, big A-list actors. And for, there was a time in my per- career before I started having babies where I was traveling with them, living with them for oh, wow. Four months. Sometimes going on press tours, exhausting press tours. We were in a different city and every day. But anyways, um, the focus at first seemed to be food. And then what happened was I figured out how to eat. I was able to clear up my acne. I was able to get past my bloating, my intense bloating. I was able to actually lose the weight that I had struggled with for years. And then I sat there, doctor, and I said, you know, what next? Because I thought this was going to be it. And it wasn't it. I still had a lot of anxiety. I still didn't sleep well at night. I still didn't really feel beautiful. I still felt not enough when I looked at other women, right? So it was Mm. that food could take you so far. Mm. So the way I developed this was working with these A-list celebrities. I realized, you know, my official job title as I was paid by the studios was, you know, nutritionist, but it was, we were doing so much more together. We were meditating, we were doing yoga. We were talking about a lot of you know, stressful things and you know, we were processing things emotionally. And it was really this balanced lifestyle that was creating the difference. If I stepped back and just had some chef make the recipes, a lot of times the clients would falter, but right. it was when I was able to take them through. And at the same time, I was developing my own practice and my own, you know, mm-hmm. journey of spirituality and getting deeper and deeper into Kriya Yoga, which is the type of yoga I practice, which is mostly breath work in the spine. Um, so anyway, so this, it just started to, you know, feel obvious. Like I have to talk to people about this uh, publicly because it's really not just about the food. So again, what I found is if we don't look at you know, the emotional part, the spiritual part is the parts you can't see but it's the parts that make you feel really confident and show up and create a glow. <laughs> and, you know, when Rumi talks about beauty and Yogananda and these great spiritualists, they're really talking about this total beauty of the soul that mm-hmm. comes forth. And I think as we mature as women, we start to understand, you know, there could be this pretty shiny object, let's say an objectively physically beautiful woman. But if she's so insecure, she's so miserable, she's so obsessed with like, I can't gain a pound, so I can't eat anything. After a little bit, that starts to feel really limited. Mm -hmm. But the real beauty, you know, the women I find the most beautiful are really exuding truth from their soul. And it does actually transform, ironically, the way that you look. Um, There's research about this mental health, um, the the emotional part of us, Mm -hmm. how that relates to inflammation and also bloating in our body and our skin. And I feel like when I started to blossom beyond food and see myself as a total whole person that has emotions and has a spirit, and I started to nurture that instead of just fixating on the food, that's when everything just started to flow. Um, You know, the parts that I did care about, my hair started to grow in better, you know, Ayurvedic medicine has mm-hmm. a lot to say about stress and hair. Yes. Right? That was so my story. <laughs> yeah, everything, um, and I always find Dr. Taz, if we ignore one or two of the cornerstones, we hyper fixate on the other one. So if right. we're not paying attention to our mental health, we can be obsessed with food. And like I said, that can only take you so far. Yeah. So my message for women and young women is that, you know, if there's a, if we could teach them that from the start, this, and I know it's not easy as an, as adolescents and your daughter and many young women, as I did, and maybe you did as well, have to go through this journey of deeper right. understanding. But what we can do is we can, you know, offer resources and talk about deeper mm-hmm 
beauty and then also have these amazing um, role models, people like, you know, Jane Goodall, um, Justice Ginsburg, and all these women that are just really beautiful and really speaking their truth in the world. I think those are, that's such amazing advice because I think it's so hard for people to reconcile those two things. And with Instagram culture and plastic surgery and all the other things that try to fix us on one dimension and you still see the unhappiness in those faces, right? When oh my God. every procedure in the world, but it still hasn't fixed what's happening kind of internally. Do you separate emotions from spirituality? Where does that intersect and where does it intersect with beauty? I'll just make a quick comment with Chinese medicine, which you know, I love, you know, like I do a lot of cosmetic acupuncture and I've always been fascinated by cosmetic acupuncture because the points, you know, there's over 30 or 40 points that you'll needle on the face, but many of them are associated with emotional meridians, you know, for example, their heart points and gallbladder points, which is associated with anger and worry and liver points and all this other stuff. So it's a way of releasing maybe the tension of the day, the frustration of the day or whatever else. And it kind of moves energy through the face. So I feel like our Eastern systems of medicine, like Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, they understood our our emotional body was reflected at least in our face and definitely in our, in our physical body as well. Sort of what's been your experience, because that is one of the four cornerstones of of what you talk about as well. So what's been your experience with the emotional body versus the spiritual body? We've talked a lot about the physical body already, but I think these two are the ones that people struggle with the most. Yes, yes. So one uh, one thing I want to say, Dr. Taz, that I forgot to mention, um, yeah. when you were talking about this, and I want to go into this amazing question is, first, I want to say, though, there's nothing wrong with makeup and procedure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this outside stuff. I mean, you right. can see I'm wearing makeup as well. But my point, <laughs> the point about the, whole, the holistic yeah. approach is that if we identify solely with the outside, it means our self-worth goes up, up and down as we age, as we gain five pounds, as we have a zit, right? So there's nothing wrong with playing out here as long as we understand that there's so much more and that's not our real identity. To your second question about, you know, um, the emotional side versus the spiritual side. It's interesting that I think most people start the path to wellness or the path to self-care compartmentalizing different things. Mm-hmm. I know I did. Here's my food part over here. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have so much time, so maybe I'll exercise and then maybe I'll meditate with all these different parts. Yeah, check boxes. Yep. And then the thing we also hear about is the mind-body connection. And the deeper I go, I realize I don't think there is a mind-body connection because connection implies two separate things that are fused together. The Mm -hmm. more I go along, I realize it's actually one total system Mm -hmm. and everything affects everything else. So for instance, in yoga, there is a reason that all the yogic masters talk so much about diet. They talked about food. And actually when when I went to India for the first time, that's the first time I became uh, plant-based. It was Mm -hmm. for energy reasons and for meditation reasons to elevate meditation. Um, So they, you know, they talk about how food will affect your meditation practice. And same thing, when you can release stress in your body, that is definitely going to affect your skin, the aging of your skin, like we talked about hair and so many different parts. Um, The emotional part, if you don't process your feelings every day and start to distinguish between feelings and thoughts, which is a whole process we can get into now or another time, um, the stress buildup, the anxiety can keep you from going deeper into your meditations. It can keep you from digesting your food as well. It can keep you from having the motivation to work out. It can keep Mm -hmm. you having a much higher 
um, amount of food cravings in your life. So again, while some people will fixate on what they know, like the calorie count they're having a day or how much protein they're having or how much sugar, they may not realize that if they were to take a more holistic approach and take care of the parts they can't see, like the emotional mental part, wow, their bodies would open up, their systems would, their nervous systems would perhaps reset, their digestion would be better, even their microbiome could uh, flourish, so many other things would happen. That emotional body, though, is so difficult for patients, at least that I see and women that I talk to. It's so hardwired from time to time. Have you found any? I know we both love yoga. I know we both love meditation to the folks that are like, uh, it's not really for me. How how do we help them with that emotion? I feel like that's the hardest, like they can get into a spiritual practice. They can follow a to do list with food sometimes, but they usually get sabotaged because their emotional part of them is hardwired and falls right back into similar patterns. How do we help them or anyone listening today understand when they're in that emotional loop and how to yank themselves out of it? Oh my God. Great question, Dr. Tess. Sorry. I mean, you're talking to someone who's like an, you know, in the past, like obsessive overthinker sits up at night thinking through. So again, the big, the thing that's made the biggest difference for me that I want to share, one of the things is seeing the difference between a thought and a feeling. Okay. Mm-hmm. The thought is our, our minds are amazing, but they can go in loops, right? So we can, right. get, we can justify, let's say it's a thought you get into a fight with your best friend. The thoughts are, she was so wrong. She should have, shouldn't have done this. I was, you know, you can go through it. I, I did all this stuff for her. You can think a million billion thoughts and it just keeps going and it keeps that feeling in your body. And then you, you're still off. You try to eat something, you get bloated. Maybe you get constipated. You're not sleeping well. You're just upset all the time because you're in your head. Mm-hmm. So what I learned to do, and this is based partly on the work of Dr. David Hawkins, mm-hmm. who is a you know amazing psychologist um, in the 90s and early 2000s from New York City. He teaches, turn off the thoughts, at least temporarily, use your willpower, stop thinking and drop into the feelings. And the mm-hmm. feelings are in your body. They're not in your head. So when I started doing that, I could identify, oh, there's this tightness in my gut and there's this like, you know, something's happening in my throat around my heart. And I started to feel because our bodies have, you know, imprint where these feelings are. And so I was in my thoughts so much. I was pushing down the feelings and that's what keeps them going. They're suppressed and repressed in our body, encrypted in a, in a sense. And there's amazing research about this now mm-hmm. in different ways. And of course, Rudy Tanzi and Deepak have some great books about this too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, It gets into our bodies. So the first thing, if you want to get past it, is to feel the feelings, feel in your body. Um, And according to Dr. Hawkins, this is a process that lasts up to usually only 10 minutes. So Mm. if you do that, it starts to pass through you. And then your brain can click back into, you know, rational mode versus the amygdala and then fight or flight, all the very um, (laughs) impractical parts of us. Let it digest almost like a food needs to digest. And then you can come back feeling more clear and be able to take action. Or sometimes there's no action to take, but you feel a lot more resilient and settled. I love that. I think that's such a great tool that you can do anywhere, wherever you are, wherever you're in a car, in a plane, wherever you might be, if just checking in and separating out thoughts from feelings and healing the emotional body over time and getting to that where we're more like a like an even flyer rather than kind of going up and down constantly. I think that's so important. 
And all of it plays into how we feel and all of it plays into how we look. And as women, I know yes. we're, we're definitely always going to be conscious of that. I think it's unrealistic to assume oh. we're not, you know, <laughs> well, this is, this has been amazing. What's next for you? I know you're always up to stuff. So what's next for you? I'm so curious. Oh, oh Dr. Tez, I just funny because um, in, with everything going on, I had this download, I call them, you know, when you I just love that yeah. intuition and that happens more and more as you meditate. I had this intuition for a book I when I was 37 weeks pregnant and it's actually a full spiritual book. So I'm from, you know, food and wellness into consciousness, spirituality. Um, and I'm super excited. So I'm working on this new book and, you know, the podcast, I have um, a pregnancy fertility course coming out in January. We're editing. So there's a lot of um, different courses and things happening here. And the, book, and the new baby, of course. Ah, how is that baby? Healthy and happy? Healthy and happy is my second little boy. Oh, wow. So it feels like the two ones are already best friends, which is amazing. I never had a brother. So just seeing the brotherly energy is really beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Well, so great connecting with you. If anyone watching today or listening today wants to learn more about what you're doing or grab one of your books or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So everything's on my website, which is my Saluna, S-O-L-L-U-N-A.com. Also Instagram. I think most of us are on Instagram these yes. days at underscore Kimberly Snyder. Wonderful. Well, so good to see you again. Thank, Thank you for you taking so much, Dr. Tez. Love, love you. <laughs> love you too. And for everyone else, thank you guys for watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness. And remember, we are on Spotify as well. So rate and review it and share it with your friends. And email me if you do. It's hello at drtaz.com. I'll send you a free bottle of boost to keep you super powered. I'll see you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>